Well, it's great to be together, great to sing, great to celebrate, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, today, uh, I'm Peter Salmon, by the way, I'm our lead pastor here, if I haven't met you yet, and today we launch our Everyone Every Day sermon series, Everyone Every Day campaign. We even got like boats on the stage and all kinds of fun stuff, and uh, so this is going to be a great Sunday for us this morning. Um, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5 today, and uh, we're going to be getting really familiar with Luke chapter 5 over the next few weeks uh, as we learn from Jesus, learn from our Savior and our Master. But first, let me, let me ask you, what kind of titles would you use to describe yourself? What titles would you use to describe yourself? Often, we identify most with uh, like maybe a job title. Uh, you know, that's one of the first questions you ask somebody is like, what do you do? And people say, what do you, what do you say? You say, well, I'm a I'm a teacher. That's who I am. That's my identity. We put often way too much of our identity into our, our jobs. Um, but maybe that's how you kind of think of yourself. I'm a teacher. I'm a, a carpenter. I'm a CPA or I'm a, I'm a student. Maybe that's how you think of yourself. Or maybe you'd identify yourself by a, a hobby or a passion. Um, I'm a cyclist or I'm a, a fisherman or I'm a UNI Panther fan. Or, uh, or a Minnesota Viking fan. Any Vikings fans here in the house? Yeah? A couple of you? Oh, man. And I, I feel bad. You know, I know I've given Vikings fans such a hard time over the years. So let's just call a truce this season, maybe. Does that sound good? Um, I do have one question, though. Do you know why Iowa doesn't have a professional football team? Because if we had one, then Minnesota would want one. So... <laughs> Oh, it's tough. It's tough being a Vikings fan. All right. <laughs> bringing it back. Bringing it back. Think about those titles. Think about those ways that you think about yourself and describe yourself. And I hope for, for many of you here in this room, I hope you would identify yourself as a Christian or as a believer. Maybe some of you aren't there yet, but uh, for many here, you'd, you would identify yourself with that title. I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. But here's something for you to consider. Did you know that the first Christians didn't call themselves Christians? They didn't refer to themselves as Christians. They didn't use that title, Christian. That title was actually a derogatory title. It was kind of a slam that was given to them by people outside of their community. It's not until Acts chapter 11, verse 26, that we see the word Christian used for the first time in Scripture. Acts eleven twenty-six 26 says, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Notice that word called is passive. That's what they were called by others. And so what did Christians think of themselves as? Well, it's right in this verse. They thought of themselves as disciples. Over and over again in the Bible, Christians are known by the term and title disciples. That's how they thought of themselves. And get this, in the New Testament, the word disciple is used 281 times. Guess how often the word Christian is used? Three. Three times. Now, maybe this is just kind of semantics. Maybe this is just word games, right? Like, what's the big deal? You know, Christian means the same thing as disciple. I don't know. But when you think about it, the, the term Christian, the title Christian, has, has kind of different implications than the title disciple. When we think of the word 
disciple. It goes farther than what we often think of when we think of the idea of a believer or a Christian. Now, we're not going to be like that weird church that bans the use of the term Christian or believer. You can still call yourself that. That's fine. Uh, but, but notice the first Christians saw themselves as disciples of Jesus. And what does a disciple do? A disciple follows their teacher, learns from their teacher, imitates their teacher, wants to be like their teacher. They didn't just see themselves as like church attenders or church members or even believers. They saw themselves as disciples who wanted to learn and submit themselves to their master. And Jesus, when he calls his first disciples in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he tells them, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. He tells these fishermen, follow me and I'll make you fish for people. And when you think about it, this does kind of sound a little corny, right? Like I just think about if they'd been doctors, would he have told them like, follow me and I'll teach you how to do spiritual heart surgery? Or, or if they had been like, I don't know, um, a fireman, would he have said, you know, follow me and I'll teach you to rescue people from eternal flames? Um, you know, it just, it's a little bit corny sounding, but he's, he's speaking to them in language that they can understand. These are fishermen. And he's using language that relates to them. Follow me, and I'll make you into someone who makes disciples. And that's our mission statement here at Trinity. We make disciples who make disciples. We here at Trinity envision a movement of disciples who make disciples who make disciples that will transform the very fabric of our community and beyond. This is, our, this is our singular focus. This is our maniacal focus. And this was what Jesus called the early disciples to and what he's calling us to 2,000 years later. Now, notice Jesus, as he calls these disciples, we're kind of used to, if you're familiar with the Bible, we're kind of used to this picture of Jesus going and calling disciples, but that was very unorthodox compared to how uh, rabbis, Jewish religious teachers, usually had uh, gathered their disciples. Usually it was the disciple that initiated and came to the rabbi and said, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. But here Jesus calls. Jesus initiates. Back then, being a disciple was kind of like um, an internship uh, for becoming a rabbi. It was sort of like uh, college, in a sense. But in this case, Jesus goes and he hands, handpicks disciples that he wants to follow him. And who does he end up with? Not the typical disciples. If you study kind of the background of this whole uh, calling of a disciple, you'll understand that in Jewish school, uh, they would only go up to fifth or sixth grade. And then there would be kind of this crossroads for, for those who really excelled, for those who did really well in like Jewish Bible school, they would continue on and become those disciples. The cream of the crop would continue on. But for everyone else, they would go back to work in their parents' uh, business, the family business. And for these guys, it's fishing. So not only was Jesus un unorthodox in the way that he called these disciples, but he, he picked guys that aren't the cream of the crop. 
the reason they were out fishing is because these, these young men, they'd flunked out of Bible school. One scholar says, God skipped all the wise of that day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodotus, the great thinker, uh, historian, Socrates, the great thinker, and Julius Caesar. He chose men so ordinary it was comical. No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts, not even a synagogue ruler. Half were fishermen, one was essentially an IRS agent, and one was a former soldier in the Jewish rebellion against Rome. And so this ragtag group of disciples, it was just made up of everyday, ordinary people. Not the elite, not the highly educated, not the well-trained, but everyday people. In fact, several years later, uh, the Jewish religious leaders observed this about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, 13. It says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated and untrained, but guess what? They'd been with Jesus. And here today, 2,000 years later in the Cedar Valley, we too are our everyday ordinary disciples. And we're gonna spend time with Jesus in this season. As we launch the Everyone Every Day campaign, we have a vision of calling everyone in our church to be an everyday fisher of men who is a disciple of Jesus and who learns from Jesus. And as we learn from him and as we follow him, we believe he's going to equip us to be everyday fishers of men. And in this season as well, we're going to call everyone uh, to make the everyday sacrifices necessary for us together to be a movement of, again, everyday ordinary disciples who are making disciples, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. And to do this, we need to do what the early disciples did, what the first disciples did. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to be trained by him. I hope as people look at our lives, um, as they see our church, as they see, hey, there's these folks from Trinity, that they say the same thing that the religious leaders said about the early disciples, that, hey, these aren't the first-round draft picks, right? These aren't the brightest bulbs in the box, so to speak, but they've been with Jesus. So, over the next seven weeks, uh, in this Everyone Every Day series and campaign, I want to call all of us to be with Jesus, to be more intentional and devoted than maybe you have been, to spend time with Jesus, learning from him in our worship services. And, and after the service today, as you go out, as you leave this morning, you'll be handed uh, a, a guidebook, a study guide to kind of go along with this uh, series. And so I want to encourage you to take that um, and use that resource to get into God's word and to spend time with Jesus and to learn from him over the next six or seven weeks. That's what we're gonna do in this season. We're gonna draw near to Jesus, imitate him, learn from him, be his disciples and watch him make us into everyday ordinary fishers of men fully engaged in creating a movement of disciples who make disciples that's gonna transform this community and beyond. So let's, let's learn from Jesus. Um, we're going to use an acronym in this season, uh, the acronym FISH. 
uh, to learn from Jesus how to build friendships, to see how Jesus built friendships of trust, to see how Jesus initiated spiritual conversations, to see uh, how we can share the gospel, and finally, how we can help others follow Jesus. So today, Luke chapter five, starting in verse one, and this is the same story as Jesus calling the disciples in Matthew 4.19. This is the story of follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But Luke in his uh, version colors in a lot more of the detail. So follow along with me. Uh, Luke chapter five, starting in verse one through 11. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon, from now on, you will be catching people. And they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. I'm so excited to unpack this story with you, kind of verse by verse, over the next few weeks. And uh, today, we're just going to look at the first three verses together. Look again at verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Genezareth. What an amazing picture that Jesus is standing by the Lake Genezareth, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching the crowds, and his voice only carries so far, even as the Son of God, in his human uh, form, his voice only carries so far, and so people are having to crowd in so close and press in so close because they're just hungry to hear the word of God. And it's hard for us to imagine today, people being so hungry to hear God's word with all of our modern distractions, with all of our modern comforts and material possessions. It's hard for us to imagine this, but let me tell you, even today, people are hungry for the word of God. They may resist it. They may seem too busy for it, but the scriptures tell us that God has put eternity in the hearts of people. Like we all have this knowing sense within us that we were made for something more, that we were made for something greater. And we have this emptiness inside us, like we're, there's this vacuum inside of us that can only be filled with God's truth and his word and his savior, Jesus Christ. And I think for me, I pursued all kinds of things to try to fill that void. Uh, you know, I, I, idols of kind of success and uh, wanting to be kind of a college athlete and pursuing notoriety in all of these different areas. But it's only through coming to understand the hope and grace and forgiveness of Jesus that that void in my life was filled. And I, 
I saw the hope and grace of Jesus through people in my life that were close to me, that helped lead me to Jesus, that loved me enough to just ask me hard questions, to ask me thoughtful questions, to confront me in different ways with, with truth. And, and ultimately, when I saw the hope and joy that they had in their life, I said, I want that. And Jesus, Jesus offers us this incredible hope and peace and forgiveness and belonging. And for, for, for most of us here, that's why we're here today, because of the transforming grace of Jesus in our lives. But, but do you believe that God's word is what the world needs? It's easy to say, well, that's, that's been good for me. But I don't know if it's what those around me that aren't walking with Jesus are hungry for and longing for. Let me tell you it is. Scripture tells us that God's, again, set eternity on men's heart. Jesus told us that the harvest is plentiful. Listen, all of us are longing for truth. This world is hungry for truth. It's easy to believe that for ourselves, but do you believe that for others? Do you believe that for those in your life that you love that aren't walking with Jesus, that, that deep down that this is what they're searching for? Now, as Jesus teaches the crowds, go ahead and look at verse 2. It says he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen left them and were washing their nets. And verse 3 tells us that Jesus needed the boat so that he could go out into the lake <coughs> and, and preach from the boat out on the water that would have acted like a, a natural amplifier so more people could hear God's word. That was kind of the best sound system that he had access to in that time. But notice the boat that he chose in verse 3. Because he got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon. Now, was this just random? Or was this intentional on Jesus' part? I believe this was very intentional on Jesus' part. Get this, did, did you know that this wasn't the first time that Jesus met Simon Peter? Some of you are looking at me a little weird. <laughs> but but I, I ran into an interesting passage in John chapter one as I was reading in my time with the Lord the other day and I'd never for some reason caught this before. In John one, Jesus meets Simon Peter for the first time. And this kind of blew up my whole picture of Luke chapter 5 and, and Matthew 4.19 and Jesus calling his disciples. K keep your finger in Luke chapter 5 and flip over to John chapter 1. Look at John chapter 1, verse 40 through 43. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, Jonah sorry, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Now, when I saw this, uh, and this jumped out at me a couple months ago, I kind of did a double take because I'm like, wait a second, is the Bible contradicting itself? Like Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 4, isn't that 
how Peter became Jesus' disciple, but here it's like Andrew comes to him, and here they're not even in Galilee, because in verse 43, it says the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. But then as I looked into it and as I, I, I studied it, I realized, no, this is just Jesus' first meeting with Simon Peter, where Andrew brings Simon to Jesus and says, hey, we found the Messiah. We found this promised king that will save the world. But nothing in John chapter 1 tells us that Peter actually begins following Jesus at this point. And again, Jesus here is not in Galilee. And later when he calls the disciples and he calls Peter, he's in Galilee, also known as Lake Genezareth, the Sea of Galilee. So because of this, going back to Luke chapter 5, and when we see this picture of Jesus going to Simon Peter and picking out his boat, this isn't random at all. Simon Peter had been told that Jesus was the Messiah, but he wasn't yet following Jesus. And Jesus knows this. Uh, he sees Simon. He knows who he is. He knows his name. And he pursues a relationship with him by getting in his boat. And for us here at Trinity, we, we have long been a church that's desired to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus. But in, in recent years, I think um, that's become a lot more personal for many of us. Uh, four or five years ago, we um, began challenging everyone in our church, calling everyone in our church to make the mission of Jesus personal by having at least one person in their lives that they can name here in our community, that they love and are, are, are sharing life with and are just helping in their journey of discovering Jesus. And we've asked the question here, who's your one? We've called this my one. Who's that one person that you're sharing life with, praying for? Not, not a spiritual project, but someone you love that you're just, as you're being yourself and just having everyday interactions with them, you're helping them in their journey of discovering Jesus. It's easy to say as a church or as a disciple of Jesus, hey, let's reach the Cedar Valley for Jesus. But when it's, personal, when it's someone I can name, like for Amy and I, we have three different uh, na neighbor couples that we love, that we're praying for. Man, when it's someone you can name, when it's someone in your life that isn't walking with Jesus, that you're walking alongside, it, it, it changes things. It changes the way you spend your time. It changes the way you pray. And so we can look at, at Jesus and his example as he identified Simon Peter as someone that he knew, but wasn't yet one of his followers. And he was intentional here to just do something very simple, to just get in the boat with him. Before, Andrew brought Simon Peter to Jesus, but now Jesus goes to Simon Peter. This uh, traveling rabbi, this carpenter turned rabbi, gets in Simon Peter's fishing boat. So again, in this season, we're disciples of Jesus who are learning from our master, imitating him, learning how Jesus uh, called people to follow him. And it'd be easy to just sort of skip past these details of how Jesus interacted with Peter. But again, I believe it's very intentional. Jesus 
is building a, a friendship. He's building a friendship of trust by spending time with Simon and, and even asking him for this favor of borrowing his boat. Like for how many of us would that be just a terrifying thing to do? How many of us would avoid asking someone for a favor like to borrow something at all costs? Like I was trying to think of some of my next door neighbors. Have I ever borrowed anything from them? Ever borrowed a tool from them? Like when I'm working on a project, if I have a tool, need a tool, especially if it's a power tool, <laughs> I would rather go to Menards and drop like hundreds of dollars buying this tool that I'm gonna use like twice then go to my next door neighbor and be like, hey, do you have this? And I think of Jesus, he's very intentional as he, not just the act of borrowing, but spending time with Jesus out in his boat. And I wonder what this looks like for each of us, just to take that simple step of just building a friendship with someone in our community who isn't walking with Jesus. Someone that we would say is our one. Being an everyday fisher of men, really that just means we're sharing everyday life with people we love, building friendships. And throughout this series, we're gonna be building again on that acronym FISH, but uh, today we see Jesus building a friendship of trust. We need to be intentional to build not shallow friendships, but, but deep, significant friendships with those we love that aren't following Jesus, just like, just like Jesus did when he got in the boat with Peter. Here, here are some ways, as I've uh, talked with a lot of you and heard from a lot of you about just how you're sharing life and living life in our community, here are some ways that you've lived this out that I've heard of recently. I heard of uh, uh, some guys recently that invited uh, one of their ones to literally come on a fishing trip with them. I've heard of guys working on cars uh, together with people they love that aren't walking with Jesus. I've heard of people, you know, just getting together and disc golfing or getting kids together to play at a park, uh, inviting people over for a barbecue or a bonfire, getting together to play board games. Or, or there are maybe those of you who, um, like my wife, actually have uh, social skills and can actually hold a conversation, and it can be as simple as just inviting someone for coffee. So... If you're kind of stressing about this picture of, oh man, we're, all of us are gonna be called to be everyday fishermen, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. Listen, we're just learning from Jesus and we're following him and following him in this picture of being everyday disciples and we wanna be, yes, just like the early disciples, a movement of everyone every day and it starts just simply with getting in the boat with someone, with sharing life, with the ones that we love that aren't walking with Jesus. And every single one of us can do that. Every single one of us can pray and ask God to put people on our hearts, specific names uh, of people that we rub shoulders with and then look for opportunities just to build friendship. We have so many stories here of how that's already happening. Uh, man, God's doing great things uh, in our community already. But... Um, Many of you uh, may know Ken Klingman. Ken was a former pastor at our church here. Um, he retired a while back, but he never really retired. And um, a little over a decade ago, he was invited into a wrestling practice to invest in the lives of athletes as a life coach. He received that invitation, and he went and got in the wrestling room. He got in the boat, you could say. And he began to just add value and build friendships, and he um, offered an invitation to some key 
wrestlers just to meet together and um, just invest in their lives and to read the Bible with them. And over the past decade or so, it's been amazing to see how many young men have come to faith in Jesus. And in a little bit, we're going to be able to celebrate as uh, one of these young guys, a guy named Lance, uh, gets baptized. Um, but first, we, we captured on video a story from another one of Ken's guys this morning. I want you to hear from Parker today. I'm Parker Keck-Eisen. I go to school here at UNI. I'm a construction management major. I'm on the wrestling team. I, get, I just got two older sisters, and they're cool. I don't They kind of shape me. They like to think they can beat me up, but they can't do that to me. My parents' relationship with God, I know, I know they both have faith. We were going to church every Sunday. I'm pretty sure we had school, like mass on Wednesdays. And throughout time, we started getting busy, right? My parents own a business, and you know, busy sports took over. You know, we kind of got away from it, but there was always, like, driving past, there was always a little, a little magnet there that kept leading me there. And then, uh, you know, I got to college, and that magnet, that magnet that was planted when I was real young, it was still there. And then, you know, uh, we had a great guy come along, our life coach at, for the UNI Wrestling Panthers. Uh, he goes to Trinity. He started Bible study. You know, I started going, and I, don't know, I started being, I feel like, more of a leader in the Bible studies. I know God was working there, and then COVID happened. NCAA tournament got taken away, and I remember at that point, I know I was putting too much, too much happiness in the sport of wrestling. Every day I pray to surrender the outcome to the things I cannot control, and I know that's one thing I affirm when I journal. I know that's one thing that's a reminder on my phone. God led me just to trust him and listen to him. We had a team meeting. Uh, a believer stood up, and he was like, hey, put your faith in Christ. Because knowing him, that's true happiness. God is here. God is present with us, right? And that, that joy is God with us. Like, you never know when you can change someone's life. And that can do, be through the sport of wrestling, or that can be sharing my faith. That can be the, the joy I present in this conversation. I love the family atmosphere, right? So, like, everyone, everyone's friendly, right? You can come out here after church or before church, and you're, you can talk with anyone and you know, you can feel an energy. Like, I'm going back to wrestling. Like, you can feel an energy when there's going to be a good practice, a good wrestling practice. And you can feel the energy when you come into Trinity. You can feel that positive energy. No one's going to give you a bad eye. No one's, like, you can go talk to a random person. But it's just a family atmosphere, and I'm, I'm grateful to be around it. It's a Sunday morning, and they're all happy. They're, they want to have a conversation. They want to get to know you. Why is that? That's, 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 that's God's work right there. Well, I love that story and just hearing from Parker and the, the, just that picture of, um, man, I think of Ken Klingman decades ago or a, a decade or so ago that took that step to accept an invitation uh, to get in the room, to get in the boat with guys like Parker. I don't think he ever got on the mat with Parker. I don't think that's happened <laughs> yet, but, but he got in the room. And so he, here, here's kind of the question for you this week. How will you get in the boat with somebody who isn't walking with Jesus? How will you intentionally share life and build a friendship? And in this season, we're just calling you to take simple steps of faith and courage 
Uh, first, to pray and ask God to help you identify who he's pointing you towards. Much like Jesus with Simon Peter. Who is God putting on your heart? And we're asking everyone to make a commitment in this season to seek God for just who that might be. And then take a simple step of beginning with building a friendship. We're asking everyone in this season to, to make a commitment to have a one in your life and to begin praying about who that might be. And then in this campaign, just with everything the Lord's been doing and just how God's been blessing this church over the past uh, really decades and decades, but I think just in a, in a season that we've been in four years ago, we said we're going to make room for more in our church. And it was kind of right uh, in the middle of COVID that our members took a huge step of faith and said, we're going to move forward with expanding our facilities to make room for more, believing that God has a work that he wants to do and continue to do through us in this community. And uh, God has blessed the prayers and the sacrifices of our people. God is moving through this church. And in this season, we want to um, kind of take another step of faith with all that God's doing. We want to continue to say yes to God. We want to make room for more. We need to make room for more with parking. We're in the middle of kind of doing that right now. But we're going to be inviting you in this season to make a, a commitment financially to invest in what the Lord will do uh, together through us in the future. Um, as we add parking, we also have uh, debt from our previous uh, project that we're seeking to pay off in this season so that we can be free to follow where God leads in the years to come. In two years, by December 2025, we're going to be debt-free. We're going to be unhindered from that and be able to just pursue the future that God has for us, whatever that, that may be. And when I think of people that I've talked with recently, um, I talked with a couple the other day that they've been a part of Trinity here from the beginning. And they said to me, you know, time and time again, our church has um, expanded. Uh, time and time again, we've said, yes, God, we want to make room for more in our church. We want to make room for more from our community and more in our, in our lives even. And, and this couple, you know, been a part of this church from the beginning, and they said, every time we have uh, just enthusiastically sacrificed and been a part of supporting and joyfully partnered in that from a, from a financial standpoint. And they told me, they said, we wish that we could write a $2.1 million check and cover the whole thing. And I said, yeah, I, I wish so too. <laughs> um, but they said, man, we are so excited to pray and to, to pray and do what we can in this season. I love that heart, and I love that generosity, and there's so many over the 50 plus years of this church that have sacrificed joyfully and willingly. Four years ago, there were many that sacrificed joyfully and willingly, and now we have another chance to respond and take another step to follow God's leading and respond to this need. So we're asking everybody to begin praying about these two commitments in this season, both of, of having a one and praying about who that uh, one or, or, or maybe multiple ones uh, might be, and then making a financial commitment over the next two years in this Everyone Every Day campaign. And then in four weeks, on October 8th, we're going to have a, a tremendous time together in our services as we make our commitments together. God has an incredible future for us as a movement of disciples who make disciples. Everyone 
and everyday fisher of men. And just imagine if, if Jesus can turn everyday ordinary fishermen into fishers of men. What might God do in us and through us as we commit ourselves to him? I can't wait to walk through these next few weeks with you. I'm hoping to see a ton of you at a dessert night, as many as possible at a dessert night in the next uh, couple weeks to be able to share more of my heart, to be able to answer questions. But I believe God's going to do something powerful in us and through us in this season. God, I'm just struck by this picture of Jesus who called everyday ordinary fishermen to be his disciples. People just like us, unlearned, untrained. But God, would we be able to say that we've been with you, Jesus? That we've learned from you? And just in this season, would we commit ourselves to learning from you, to just to carefully studying your word and, and, and seeing not just what you said, but how you did what you did, how you lived your life on this earth. God, we wanna follow you. We wanna imitate Jesus, be disciples of Jesus. God, we thank you for being a God who pursues us, who goes after us, Thank you for the example of, of Jesus pursuing Simon Peter. Thank you for how you have pursued each of us in our lives. I think of the people that you put in my life that were so faithful to invest in my life. Even when I was far from you, even when I didn't really give you a second thought. And God, as we think of those um, that are around us, every day that we love, that we share life with, God. God, we just pray. We pray for them. We pray for their hearts. We pray that they would um, see something in us, hear something from us. And God, that you would use that um, to call them, to bring them to faith in you. God, we're just thankful and we wanna celebrate who you are and what you've done in us. We're thankful for the opportunities that we have, God, to live out this picture and to be your disciples. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand and let's uh, continue to worship together.